Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise the Lord. Good to have our visitors with us today. We hope you'll always feel welcome here. Praise God. Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 3, the first commandment. I, I will skip through this. Commandment 1, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is under or that was water under the earth. Seven, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain. Eight, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Verse 12, honor your father and mother that, the days, that your days may be long, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Verse 13, thou shalt not kill. 14, you will not commit adultery. 15, you will not steal. 16, you will not bear false witness against your neighbor. And 17, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Those are the Ten Commandments. They are not suggestions. They are not good ideas. They are not recommendations. They are commandments. Thou shalt not. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but there are eight thou shalt nots, one no other, and one keep. So the emphasis is on don't. But today I want to preach to you on this subject. Don't put your don'ts before your do's. Don't put your don'ts before your do's. God bless you. You may be seated. As Christians, we tend to be black and white people. It's right or it's wrong. It's a do or it's a don't. And that's not bad because even Jesus said, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Don't get caught in the middle. Don't sit on a fence. Don't wear multiple uniforms. Don't be one thing, I'm talking about don'ts now, right? Don't be one thing in the church and another thing in public. Be the same person all the time. Don't forget who you are and who God is and what God has called you to do. What has God called you to do? You know, we can make a list of things that we don't do, and we do. You know, I don't steal, I don't cheat, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I, I don't cheat on my wife, I don't gossip. We can make a list of things that we don't do, and we shouldn't. But what do we do? Matter of fact, as a Christian, I don't do anything. I don't sin. But there's a lot of other things that I should be doing that I don't do. Don't 
put your don'ts before your do's. I'm going to try and make you think about that for a little while. Don't put your don'ts before your do's. What is it that we've been, that we've been called to do? Take a look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out devils and in your name done many wonderful works? And I will profess unto you, depart from me, you that work iniquity, I never knew you. Now, I know this is going to sound bad, but you can also get into the word of God and not know the word of God and not know the God of the word. And that will promote legalism in your life rather than the intended, which is a relationship with God in your life. We need a balance of the word, but we need to know the author. We, know, we need to know the creator. We need to know the savior. We need to know the father. Can I get an amen? amen. There, there needs to be do's in our life, not just don'ts. Not just the don'ts. Luke 6 and 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and, and doeth them, I'll show you to whom he's like. He's like a man which built a house and dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it. It was founded upon a rock. Notice the positive here. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house on the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately fell and the ruin of the house was great. What's the difference between the two? One took the time to build a foundation. One did what they were supposed to do by building on a rock. You can read these accounts in all of the Gospels and it will say the same thing. The wind, the rain, the flood came to both houses. The difference was somebody took the sayings of God and built on them. They did something. The other just said, well, sand is as good as anything else. Let's just build it like it is. Hope for the best. But when God speaks, we need to do. It's not just a suggestion. It's not just a for your consideration. God's word gives us a foundation that we can build on. And our relationship with God allows us to hear his voice and follow the leading of his spirit. We can get up, hung up on everything that we don't do and forget about the things that God has called us to do. What has God called us to do? Even James chapter one and verse 22 
Be you doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He beholds himself and he goes his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. You know, if you look in the mirror and you're not happy with what you see, you wanna do everything you can to make it look better. It would be foolish to get up in the morning and not, if you got a big whiskery face, now I'm talking to the men, you got a big whiskery face, your hair's going in umpteen directions and there's food in your teeth, it would be foolish not to shave, to brush your teeth, to shower, to put your hair in place, instead of just saying, like Fonzie, If it's not true, don't walk away from it and ignore it. Everybody else is gonna see it. Take a little time to do what you should do. Do what you should do. Now, we've talked about 10 commandments, but I wanna add two today. I wanna add two commandments. Let me give you what I believe is the 11th commandment. Matthew 22 and 36. Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, well, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Did you get that? You could save a lot of time in reading the law and all of these things that are required and the consequences for breaking any of the laws in the Old Testament if you got what Jesus just said. He said, on these two, these two hang all the law all the law and the prophets. It's this simple. There's two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's a commandment. It wasn't listed among the other 10, the part about your neighbor. It wasn't listed. It did not require you to love your neighbor. It told you what you don't do to your neighbor. But now he's saying, if you would just love God and love your neighbor, you'd take care of everything. That's all you need to do. But if you don't, I gotta give you a big, long, long, long list. I'm trying to make this an easy message for you today. Here's all you gotta do. Because see, if you love the Lord your God, you won't do this. If you love your neighbor like you love yourself, you won't do that. Now watch this. If you go to Mark chapter 10, let's go to Mark chapter 10 verse 17.
And when he was gone forth, this is Mark 10, 17. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running, kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's asking for a do, right? And Jesus said, you don't even know who I am. You try to flatter me with the word master, but you have no clue as to who I am. Why do you call me good? There's none good that... Except God, you don't know that I am him. But I'll answer your question. Do you know the commandments? Don't commit adultery, don't kill, don't steal, don't fear false witness, don't defraud, honor your father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, Well, there's one thing you lack. Go your way and sell what you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me. Now I want to know where it says in the scripture that this is a requirement for eternal life. I I don't see that. But it becomes an assumed do when he speaks it to him. See, when you try and justify yourself by what you don't do, God is going to add to your to-do list. You get that? Where did he ever say this before? But this guy's trying to justify himself by his own works or his non-works. And the Lord says, well, okay. He knows him. And he even says he loved him. But he tells him, take the wealth that you have and give it to people that don't have it. And the next verse says, and he was sad at that saying and it went away for he had great possessions. He couldn't do He couldn't do what was required of him now. When God speaks to us, he's actually speaking outside of the word right here. When he he makes this requirement of this man, he's not saying, well, let me quote the scripture to you. You're supposed to give everything you got to the poor. He didn't do that. This is a one-on-one encounter. You ask me, and I'm telling you what I want you to do. And he may not ask the same thing of each of us. Ah, Now I don't care about the amen because I know I got you thinking now. He may not require the same thing of each of us. He may say, now, Brother Kylie generous soul that you are. (laughs) I want you to go to your retirement account, your IRAs, anything you got in retirement, and I want you to give a large portion of it to, and that becomes his test. And then he might come over to somebody else and put his hand on their shoulder and say, and I want you 
to go to that person and tell them that you love them. Well, Lord, we've had a falling out. See, it's no problem for me to walk up to Brother Brown today and say, Brother Brown, I love you, but what if there's been a falling out between me and somebody else? And God says, this is what I want you to do. Why does he do that? Because he's bringing us into perfection. He's trying to get us to do something that deep down we know we should do. But he hit our nerve. He hit our button. Well, Lord, I didn't go out last, you know, he says, go to Brother Mitchell. And I say, well, Lord, I just want to remind you that last night I didn't go out and get drunk. And And he says, what are you talking about? It has nothing to do with what I'm asking you to do. But Lord, I wanna talk about the don'ts. I'm not like these sinner people, as the man beats his chest. I'm not like that sinner person over there that does all those bad things. And the Lord is upset with the one that is trying to practice the don'ts, and he has mercy on the one who's doing wrong but wants to do what's right. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Don't put the don'ts before the do's. What do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? You didn't ask it of my brother. Why would you ask it of me? Because our relationship is about you and me. Because I know what's best for you. And I know what's best for Brother Mitchell. This will be a good thing for both of you. Well, let him come to me. No, I'm talking to you. Can God talk to us? Can God require things of us that he doesn't require of everyone? Do we all want to be treated the same? Really, we don't. Want proof? I remember 2007, the end of 2007, when I was diagnosed with colon cancer. Do you all want colon cancer? Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Can God speak to us about what he wants us to do? What he wants us to do? Now, Watch this. Here's another question, though, about what shall we do. Let's go over to Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches this incredible message about Pentecost and about the crucifixion. And and at the end of his message in Acts 2 and 36, it says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Wow. Now that's heavy. You want to talk about putting people on a guilt trip, this is it. Could you imagine Peter standing before all of us today, and I'm with you in the pews, and he stands up and says, now I want you all to know something. You are responsible for the fact 
that Jesus died on a cross. You crucified the Lord of glory. It's your fault. You are responsible. What would that do to us? It would either make us angry and say, I ain't going back to this church anymore. Or we would come to this conclusion if we were pricked in our hearts. They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, now what are we going to do? They don't justify their actions. They don't argue with him. They just say, well, what is required? What shall we They didn't say, well, you know what? We're Jews. We don't lie. We don't steal. We don't commit adultery. They didn't say that. They didn't try and justify themselves. What shall we do? So you know what Peter does? He tells them what to do. Here it is. Peter said unto them, Repent. Be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. How many are glad for that message? I'm ecstatic about that message. Because here's the way that God works. We all compare ourselves among ourselves before we come to God. I'm a pretty decent guy. I haven't done this and I haven't done that and I, I try to do right by people. I try to take care of my family. We're always justifying ourselves. Right. But one day, we came into the presence of the Lord and God began to show us what we look like in his eyes. And by his spirit, he drew us to an altar of repentance. We sat in that pew and shook for a little while like a car that wasn't running good. We held onto the front of the pew. We picked our nails because the Spirit of God was moving on us. And we thought that God was angry with us when really what He was doing was He was drawing us to Himself. He was trying to get us to do something that we had never done before. And that was to come to an altar and confess our sin to him, to be broken before him, to be willing to forsake the way that we were going. That is called repentance. Yes. Change your direction. Admit you're wrong. That's what he wanted us to do. And there were tears that flowed down our cheeks and we knelt at that altar. But something came over us at the same time. And it wasn't the hatred of God. It was the love of God. He was right there to bless us and to touch us. We felt his awesome presence. We were ecstatic to know that our sins could be washed away when we were baptized in Jesus' name. We went to a baptismal tank. We were immersed in the name of Jesus. We came up feeling cleaner than we've ever felt before. Because we did what we were supposed to do. And God honored that. He honored his word, and he honored the fact that we obeyed his word, and he washed away our sins. 
And then he filled us with the baptism of his spirit, with a joy unspeakable and a full of glory. It was like the Packers winning the Super Bowl. Man, there was a great joy that came over us, but it didn't go away on Monday. It didn't go away on Monday. And we now have a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Because we do, we did what Peter asked us to do. Even the new birth experience according to John chapter three, which I'm not gonna read this morning, says except a man is born again, he cannot. He cannot see, that'll preach. He cannot see the kingdom of God and he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We must be born again of the water and the spirit. It is not optional. It is not a suggestion. It is not an advancement in your Christianity. It is essential to your birth. And unless you are born of the water and spirit, you cannot go to heaven. You would be an alien. Why are you a a citizen in this country? For most of us, it's because we were born in this country. If we're gonna go to heaven, we need to be born of that country. We must be born of the water and the spirit or we can't enter or see the kingdom of God. Let me, let me give you the 12th commandment and this is where I'm gonna to stop today. The 12th commandment. The 11th commandment was to love your neighbor as yourself. But the 12th is in John 13 and 34. Jesus says a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Now I'm gonna gonna say something that could be taken wrong, and I hope you'll take it right. We need to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We need to love people that are not Christians. We need to remember where we've come from and we need to do all we can to minister to them. But when it comes to the family of God, we need to love one another. How is it that we can love the world and hate our own brother? Didn't think I'd get an amen to that. Remember, any of you remember the days when we'd pray for unsaved loved ones? I'm wondering when we're gonna start praying for the unloved saved ones. I'm wondering wondering when we're gonna pray and say, God, take away this filthy spirit that's come over me, this attitude that I have against my brother that is purely fleshly. I can love a sinner and I can't love my brother. What's wrong with me? Listen, the church is not going to be known by their doctrine. They're not gonna be known by their holiness standard. They're not gonna be known by their worship. They're going to be known by the love that they have one for another. 
If I were a visitor and I came here today and I said, man, you guys had a good flow to the service till the guy stands up and says, well, why don't you greet one another? You, I mean, you lost everything then. I mean, people are walking around, shaking hands, hugging necks, talking polite to one another. What, what in the world is that? We want you to know that not only do we love you, but we love one another. It's important for us. I said, it's important for us to do this. And God has got to be able to speak to us against what Satan is trying to do against us toward our brother. And I remember my pastor used to say, you know, when we would take communion, pastor would say, now if you have ought against your brother, you know, you need to go make it right. And there'd be a little bit of time and there'd be some silence and you could walk up to somebody and say, hey, if I've offended you or, you know, if, if there's something that's not right between us, we're gonna get it right. Because he would say, if there's anybody in this church that you can't walk by with a smile on your face, you got a problem. And you need to make it right. And you don't need to wait for communion. I'm preaching today. If, if you believe God speaks to me, then I'm preaching today to you. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, by the love that you have one for another. If we don't have love, what have we got? Well, there's something wrong here. Because let me, exp I'm gonna say it again. This is how Satan works math. He tries to divide us so that he can subtract from us. Whereas God adds to us and the Lord added to the church daily, and he multiplied the disciples, which kind of math do you want? Which way of life are you living? Division and subtraction, or addition and multiplication? This is the 12th commandment, that you love one another. I conclude with this passage in Luke chapter 10. And verse 25, a certain lawyer stood up and he tempted him saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, well, what's written in law? How do you read? He answering and said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, mind, neighbor as yourself. I remembered when you preached the 11th commandment. I heard that one. He said unto him, well, you've answered right. This do, and you'll live. Huh. So he goes on to tell him a story. The man says, well, and who is my neighbor? Remember, that's the question. Who's my neighbor? Is it the guy that lives on either side, front or back of my house? Am I limited to that as my neighbor's? So Jesus tells him a story. And he tells a story of a man that goes down to Jericho. And on his walk to Jericho, he's got to go through winding roads and mountainous areas, and there's bandits, thieves, people that don't practice the 11 commandments. And they catch this guy for whatever reason, he was traveling by himself, and they beat him nearly to death. 
And the religious people come by and they walk on the other side. They're too busy. They don't have time. They don't want to be associated. Until this Samaritan comes along and he pours his his wine into him, he bandages the guy up, he, he feeds him best he can, and he puts him on his own animal. And he takes him to an inn. And he says, will you take care of this man's needs? And whatever else I owe you when I come back, I'll pay you. So at the end of the story, in verse 36, he asks this man the question, now which of these three was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves. And he said, he that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said unto him, go and do. Go and do. Thou likewise. Are you understanding what I'm saying today? This is what it means to me, and I'm sure there's many more meanings than just my puny mind has. But I think there are a lot of people that we're walking by that are hurting. And we don't want to be walking on the other side of the street, ignoring them. Wine represents the Holy Ghost. He poured what he had into that man. He bandaged him. He gave him a ride. He put him in a place of safety. He invested his money into somebody that had a need. Where does it say that that is required of us in the scripture verbatim? And yet Jesus says, that's your neighbor. When you go to the grocery store this week, I'm going to prophesy to you. When you go to the grocery store this week, God's going to speak to you about doing. He's going to single somebody out and say, that one, right there. Go talk to him. You're going to see somebody in a wheelchair you're gonna see an expression on somebody's face where it looks like they've been crying and they're hurting real bad. Do you know why they're there and why you're there? Because God wants you to do something. Let's stand together. There's a saying that you've probably heard, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is that good men do nothing. Good men do nothing. It's my prayer today that we will not become self-righteous, that we don't brag about what we don't do, but we do what God asks us to do. We follow the leading of God's word, but we also follow the leading of God's spirit. 
And when God speaks, it's stronger than E.F. Hutton. It's the will of God for our life. And the will of God is required. I read this this morning while Brother Cordell taught his lesson. It's from the Beatitudes. Can I summarize for you? You don't have to put it up, hon. Matthew chapter five, and I'm just inserting words here. Be attitudes, I'm playing on words here. The attitudes that God wants us to be. Be poor in spirit. Be mourning for those that need to be comforted. Be meek. Be hungry and thirsty after righteousness. Be merciful. Be pure in heart. Be peacemakers. Be persecuted for righteousness' sake. You will be reviled, but you will be great in heaven by doing, by doing. Jesus, I pray today that this message will pierce every one of our hearts, that we won't be people of don'ts alone, but we will be. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.